in British English, they call that a full stop. <laughs> I don't have a screen up here. Is there a reason? Is this on? There we go. Good job. All right. We're continuing uh, throughout this year talking about getting closer. And um, we're going to start with our text here uh, for this passage, uh, or for this uh, sermon. Uh, the passage is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And we've memorized this at camps. We've, we're so familiar with, with this passage. And uh, every once in a while, I think we have to go back sometimes to a previous idea, and we have to amend it. And it's not to say that we were wrong, but a lot of times when we're going through a topic, we, we first establish a general truth. Then we go back and we're like, this is going to need some clarification later, but I'm just giving you a, a general broad overview uh, and we'll fill, fill in some, some details and nuance. So that, that's a, a fun word. Uh, everybody likes that word now. Nuance and uh, maybe some exceptions to things or more clarification in this area. And sometimes people perceive this clarification as a contradiction of something we were stating earlier. But in reality, it is not. I'll give you kind of an illustration. We're going to come back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. But... Uh, God establishes a law, right? He gives them a law, and, and, and there are people that treat the New Testament as though it's a contradiction to the Old Testament. No, this, the idea is that God gave a basic concept of obedience to a moral code. And then he says, I'm going to fill it in more, right? And, and so we come to a new covenant. And a lot of people treat these as opposites when they're not really. Uh, they are extensions of one another. And, and, and uh, another one is uh, that is been debated throughout centuries is the concept of God and and God establishes himself in that that old law he establishes himself as one God he says hero Israel the Lord your God is one God and then so we get to the to the new covenant and we get to the the new testament pages and and this this what some people refer to as the trinity or, or this this triune God is revealed and, and we've been kind of talking about that in our adult class uh, in the morning on Sunday morning talking about Jesus' divinity and, and various things like that. And, and, and so all of a sudden, he's defining himself a little bit clearer. And it's, it's not that, say, a, a, a triune God is kind of contradictory to a, a monotheistic God. Some people interpret it that way. But he's establishing a general principle. And then he's I'm going to flesh it out a little bit more. We just, just hold one idea first. We, we just at least want to clarify that there's not a bunch of gods running around the universe doing their own thing. Uh, so, and so he had to give them that idea because that was the popular concept at the time. So he's trying to clarify. Then he's going to get deeper once they have that. So I want to go back to the idea of worship. Uh, we talked about worship. And, and one of the things we talked about was this idea of bowing. And we, we, we kind of spent some time talking about the different things that that implies. Um, that, that there are different levels of bowing, even in that, that, that worship... The word worship is this deepest falling on your face idea. Uh, and so 
we get this great concept of humility. Uh, and, and so that, that's contained in the concept of worship, this humility. Anything that contains that humility, that deep bowing from the heart, is a form, or is an expression, I should say, of worship. And so now we're going to go back. I'm not going to contradict that. We're just going to add some details. We're going to be clear um, and, and, and try to establish yet something deeper yet. Uh, so so he, he says here, uh, I want to talk about this, this worship service. Uh, this is a phrase which, um, when we talk about the worship service, a lot of people that don't like that phrase. Right, uh, I, I really don't like cliches. That's that's I, I I'm not a big cliche person. I probably use them, but but I, I, at least in my mind, I, I I bristle at religious lingo that gets overused. And so so the phrase worship service it just it grates under me. And yet we have Romans chapter twelve, and he says this is your spiritual service of worship. There's a worship. Service isn't that something, and so I want to get into the worship service and, and, and why exactly we have this translation. Because if you read that in your versions, you, depending on the version you have, it might be there, it might not be there. Right? Different versions have this, and so so there's a is it in the original? Is it not in the original? And so, uh, to be exactly honest. Right, which is what we want to be. I'm a preacher. I should be exactly honest. Uh, that word is not in, in the original. It's not its own word. So, so why is that there? And why would you choose the text? So it's it's a little it's complicated actually. Translating this is is kind of complicated. Now, one of the things I would do when you see that word translation up there, I know what you think, and you, you're saying he's gonna say something Greek, right? I'm gonna. <laughs> Do you a favor today. We're not going to actually say these original words. Now, a lot of times when I do that, I, I like to do that because, because those Greek words are, are, are words that we borrow from in English words. We have sometimes we have similar words in English. And, and it's like, wow, I didn't know that was going to come from that concept. Uh, I'm not going to use those today because you'll forget them immediately anyway. Uh, they, they're not really, whichever words those are, we're, we're just going to kind of give this shorthand of what they mean. But this word in, in Romans uh, that, that, that he uses to talk about service or, uh, and, and worship, how do these connect and why? What is this, this word? Um, I've, I've told you before, um, there's not really a lot of religious words, especially in our New Testament. There's not that many of them. Because Christianity wasn't a Greek concept. Uh, God revealed Christianity, and, and so these, these writers had to pick words. A lot of them were explaining, we talked about the, the fact that there's, there's this connection between Hebrew and, and Greek, the faiths, or, or, or I should say Old and New Testament. And so, so in the New Testament, they're expressing this in the Greek language. And so they've got to come up with words to express these religious thoughts using a, a language that's not intrinsically religious. Maybe philosophical. And so so they, they, they pick words that they think are equivalent to things or relatively equivalent to try to explain it to a completely new culture. Uh, 
And so, so there's not really a lot of religious words. We're, we're used to words having only religious meanings, like salvation. Right? We think of that as a religious word. You say salvation, people. That's not. It's like a rescue. You just think if you if you put that in there, rescue. Every time you read the Bible, you say rescue. It, it would it would feel different, right? That that's what they did. They're, they're picking out words that mean things. I'm going to do it. Grace is not a religious word. Uh, it's, it's come to mean that, but it's originally not a religious word. It, it's just a word that means some, a favor of, of some type, to do a favor for somebody. And, and so all these words, wow. So, um, we talked about um, the word bowing. Well, I want to talk about where this service comes from. Because this is a word that has to do, it it's, comes from a word that has to do with a paid servant or paid service. Hired, a hired servant. Now, when we hear the word servant in the Bible, we typically don't see this. This word is not used that, that often. It's only used in, a, in, in certain locations, and I think for a reason. When, when we hear servant, we're typically looking at one of two words. You'll, sometimes your version will say bond servant, right? And I'm not going to give you the Greek word. I'll just, and, and the other one is just regular servant. And what these correspond to is, is a slave. As this would be like a slave, slave. What you're used to talking about a slave. This is a person owned by another person. Uh, bound, and that's why the idea of being a bond servant. He was bound to the land. He didn't leave. He was there. Children born in that situation were the owner's uh, possessions, like every bit as much as what you think of a slave, they had a word for that, because they had it then. Now a servant was different. Now a servant was a servant, but he was not bound. He, he could go home at night. Now he might not have been getting paid for it, and there was a reason for it. He was a, what we call an indebted servant. This was, they had a way, or in, sometimes we call them indentured servants, uh, which, which could be, you know, we, we go back in our, we had it in our, our culture, in our history, in our country, where if you, you were going to apprentice, you didn't get paid, right? You were an indentured servant until you fulfilled your contract. Or uh, in, in some cultures, this was a way of dealing with outstanding debt. Like, you owe me a debt. I have no way to pay you. I had a debt I could not pay, right? And uh, guess what? You are now my servant, uh, until we, we figure out the, uh, the equivalent amount of work that that would take to pay that off, you're my servant until that. Then you're free to go. But you went home to, at night, your, your wife didn't belong to the owner, your kids didn't belong to the owner, or whatever, that, of that debt. Those two different levels. And this word is neither of those. Now, those are important. Those are important words in the Bible because they teach, first of all, one teaches this obligation to God that we have when he talks about us being a slave. I'm a slave of Christ. I was a slave of sin, but now I'm a slave of Christ. And it teaches us the obligation. The word servant teaches us the concept of debt to God, that, that, that we had a debt we could not pay. And we are in his service. And those are wonderful concepts to teach. And that is not this word for service. 
This is a hired servant. Well, why would God want us to, to express this? I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not getting paid to be a Christian. Why would God inspire these men to pick this word, hired? And so we're going to look at that. But first, I want to look at where it's used. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. <clears throat> it says, they serve a, a copy. And Hebrews, we talked about this this morning. Hebrews is a, a big co- book of comparisons. Old Testament to New Testament. And so when he's referencing they did this, right? Or, or even in the present tense, he's talking about Jewish people and their religion. He says, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. And it's the Old Testament was kind of a copy of of spiritual things, as physical. He says, For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. So he's talking about all the, all the order of things having to do with the tabernacle. Right? And he says, They serve. And that's this word here, hired service. Well, let's look at another one in Hebrews. And we'll make a connection here. He says, We have an altar from which... Those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Again, a comparison. He's, t- he's talking about, in the, in the, he's referencing this by way of a metaphor. He's saying, we have a table that we eat of, that, that those who are still under the Old Testament, they don't have a right to eat of this. Why? Because they rejected Christ. They, they, they didn't ha- have the connection of Christ. So, so this isn't for them. They eat from a different table. And he, and he's, but he, he references those who serve the tent, to those who serve that tabernacle, those who are... This is the word that the writers of the New Testament picked when they wanted to reference a specific type of service. And it was service done in the temple. Or metaphorically, worship. It was their service of Worship. That's why it's not technically its own word, worship, but it implies worship. It implies this, this, this list of things that they did as a part specifically of their religious duties, the religious expressions of their Hebrew faith. And he's taking these ideas and, he's got, and, and, and Paul in Romans then applies this word to to. Worship in the New Testament. This it, it's not connected to bowing. It's connected to in this sense, worship is connected to service. Is this a little different? Worship is a deep concept. It doesn't have just one idea. There's so many ideas that God wants us to get from the concept of worship. There's, there's all sorts of different elements. And so we're just going back and clarifying. We're not contradicting. We're just clarifying. We're bringing in other deep things. God is, God is like, the, the, the Old Testament, it was, it's like black and white television. And, and the New Testament is like ultra high definition plasma kind of television. It, it's like, it's so more rich. It's not just moving to, to, to color from black and white. It's, it's like, we can't even grasp. We don't even have the eyeballs to, to handle the clarity of picture that God is trying to give us. And so he's still this idea of paid service. I don't get the paid service part of this. 
Why would they choose paid service? Romans chapter 1, go back to Paul here using this. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at least succeed in coming to you. Now he's talking about one expression here, talking about prayer, which is not the main point. He's, but he's referring to God, and he's referring to his connection to God as, a, as evidence of his concern for them, but he expresses that this way. This is what he says. He says, my God, whom I serve. This is that word, paid service. This is not the other types of servants. This is that worship. He's, this, who I worship in service is kind of this idea. But I want to draw your attention to this because I think this explains why. One reason. I'm going to look at two. But this is the first reason why I think that this word was chosen. He says, with my spirit. In other words, the first thing that, that paid service does, that, that those other two types of service can't do, is it brings in the concept of choice. I would say, if you were born into it, you, you, that doesn't really, it can show obligation, and, and, but it, it can't show choice. And, and the same thing is true uh, in talking about you, this great debt. You, you, legally speaking, this was the way that legally they dealt with debt. You didn't really have a choice in the matter. But if you enter into this, not that it's a contractual thing with God. God, listen, I'm serving and you pay me. That, that's not the idea. But, but God, he's trying to pick a word in their language that would say, how can we kind of explain this thing where people would choose to worship and serve somebody of their own free will. And this is the best word that the Greek has for. I'm sorry. I wish we had a better one. This is the best one they have. And he picks this word to explain a Hebrew concept. And so that's, I think, the first one. The first idea. He serves in his spirit. I, I, it's something I want to do. My choice. I'm invested in this. It's not just out of obligation. There are, there are places in the Bible that... That Paul says, listen, if, if I only do this out of obligation, well, then I better do it out of obligation. But it's just so much better to do of a free will and, and wanting to. It's not about the have to, it's about the get to, right? We, we say that all the time. That's, that's what really this is about. The second reason I think this word is chosen, and again, Hebrews 9 Go back there in verse 6 and 7, different passage, but he's still using the same word. He says, these preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section. So he's talking about in the tabernacle or, or later on in the temple. Um, and, and he's talking about these two rooms. That's the thing. He says, so they go into the first section and they perform their service. Some of your versions will say their ritual duties. Just same translation, same idea. And the priests are going in. But into the second, only the high priest goes. That was the most holy place. And he only goes once a year. 
But he doesn't go without taking blood, and that he offers for himself and then for the unintentional sins of the people. But he's talking about the holy place, and in the holy place there was there were several things. Uh, there was the you went in and, and you lit the incense, and and then there was the the table of the showbread, right? And, and uh, then there was uh, the, this candle. They probably didn't do it. I suppose they probably went to the candles first and made sure that they could see in there. No windows. Uh, and then they they went and did this uh, all these other services. That now they did more than just light and eat the bread. They, they had to go, some of them went in and made sure it was stocked and had to make sure that there was oil so the lights didn't run out and uh, you had to make them sure there was someone polishing things up and uh, there was someone making sure that they had fresh bread. You're like, oh no. <laughs> uh, so all these little things are happening. Someone went in there. I suppose there was a priest in there and swept up and said, okay, let's tidy things up. And, and all the things that had to happen in there, vacuuming the drapes. I don't know what they did. But he says that they're performing their service. They're performing these duties, these rituals that are a part of their worship. We have a, a story. <clears throat> you know the story of the, the Good Samaritan, right? And, and, and uh, then probably don't even really need to, to do it, but, but the stories of this man who's been beaten and robbed. And a priest and a Levite. Now, those are two different, I know they're, they're related, but they're, they're like cousins. Uh, priests were direct lineage of Aaron. And Levites kind of came from <laughs> Levi. They were connected, but, but they, were, they had different functions. Only the sons of Aaron could go into this holy place and, and do that <laughs> stuff. But, but if you were a Levite... You could, you could go do other things in and around the temple. You could clean. You couldn't go into the holy place, but you could clean up uh, the courtyard. You could do the other stuff, right? Uh, and you might be, like, some of them were in charge of the music. Oh, we're going to have the music. We're going to do this. And, and there were, like, deacons or what we would call deacons today or what different types of things that, that they did in their worship. And both of these men, one a priest and one a Levite, are walking, and they see this guy, and they, they walk by him. What a bad guy. And that's kind of the lesson Jesus is trying to teach. Which one is a neighbor? Now, to the Jewish mind, listening to this, we have to understand the way they would respond. They would respond. That was appropriate. In their mind, that was appropriate. Because why? Because this man was bloody. And for him to be bloody and for them to touch would then make them ceremonially unclean, which guess what that prevents them from doing? Going and performing worship. So to the Jewish mind, like, yeah, somebody else can take care of this guy. And this is the point that, that Jesus is using kind of against them. But it's intrinsic in this idea, in this word. And that is the honor of worship. To them, the honor of serving, because your turn came up. By the time we get to Jesus, there's lots of descendants of Aaron. And there's way lots of descendants of, of Levi. So your turn might, some of those, your turn might come up once in your life. 
And you get the opportunity to go and perform a service in the tabernacle? Are you kidding me? Wow. It was an honor. And you think I'm going to mess that up by touching some half-breed's blood? You're crazy. I could, if it was tomorrow, I would do it, maybe. But certainly not today. I've got the temple. I've got the worship. And Jesus is trying to teach a different lesson. He's not talking about worship. He's talking about probably something that connects to worship. Service. But I I want you to get the, the reason why this word was selected. Because it was an honor. It's beyond bowing. That's one aspect. But the idea of being a paid servant, it was, it was an honor. You went into it like, I'm, I'm choosing to do this because of what this relationship, what this connection means between me and God. And so as we talk about getting closer, I want to talk about how we draw close in our service. <coughs> Hebrews 12 28. I want to talk about first about attitudes. He says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so, let us offer to God acceptable worship, same word, with reverence and fear. You want to be acceptable to God. You want to be close to God. It begins as always. As always, things begin with the attitude. It does not begin with the type of expression. We'll get to the expression, but we have to at least first start from the right place. When we start from the right place, typically all the other things will fall in line. When we start with the attitudes of wanting to please God, things are going to fall in line. It's when we start trying to do stuff that pleases me, stuff that I wish was there, Stuff that I like, we get off the beaten path. And and so, he says, let us worship with reverence and fear. We're not going to re-preach a sermon about reverence. But we'll just reference those men in the temple. Nadab and Abihu. Who did not have reverence and paid a significant price for it. In fact, the verse after this, Hebrews 12, 29, talks about because our God is a consuming fire. You better go in with reverence and fear, not just respect. But go in with fear because God is a consuming fire. And I think he's drawing on that thing that they would all go, oh yes, I remember that specific consuming fire. Worship begins with a mentality. It does not end with our mentality, but it begins there. I want to talk about our expression. Once we've had reverence and fear, then what's the expression? Romans chapter 12. Let's go back to our text and let's break this down into to little pieces. We're going to we'll look at four things. And so he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Amen. So this goes to that idea <clears throat> that, that we talked about, the, um, the voluntary nature 
You see that in here to present it. It's, a, it's something that I want to do. It's something that I'm excited to do for God. Here is a present. No, same word. Here I'm presenting this. It's a present. It's voluntary. It's not, listen, I'm taking your belongings because you're in debt to me. But I am presenting this. This is an offering. I am available for his use. The second thing here, <clears throat> he says, well, present what? Present my bodies as what? As a living sacrifice. Now, this is a funny phrase. Because a sacrifice was killed. He says, you are a living death. That makes no sense. And everyone there would have said, well, because they understood what sacrifice wasn't like mostly dead. You didn't like mostly kill your animals. Like, all right, I'm taking it back now. We'll nurse it back to health and I'll still have it. That's not a sacrifice. It was sacrificed. It was killed. It's dead. It's done. It's God's. And, and so he says, your body is, is you're still a physically alive, but it's like you're not. It's, you're, you're dead. You've come, there's a complete casualty of self. And it is now God's in total. This is the heart of service worship. It's also connected, by the way, to bowing, that complete emptying of self. It's, It's connected. But again, it was that voluntary action to, to devote oneself to God's interest. He then describes some more about this expression. Um, he says to be holy. That, that's specifically what God wants. This is the expression of When we talk about expressions of, of worship and we talk about prayer and we talk about all the things that are worship, this passage is describing worship. He's talking about service. It's, this is reasonable. This is acceptable worship. But he's not talking about all the little actions that we do in church building Sunday morning. He's describing what he really wants. This is the service I want. I want holiness. How's that? It doesn't start. We don't open holiness with a prayer and end it at the 12 o'clock. <laughs> It's a lifetime thing. It's all the time. That's what God wants. Why? Because there's a complete casualty. It's not like this is going to be temporarily dead from, you know, 9 to 11. Then I'm going to nurse it back to health for the rest of the week. It's complete. It's total. It's all the time. And so so there's this life of holiness. God's not interested in bloody death. He just wants me dedicated to his moral cause. That's all. It's just morality, just virtue. And one more. He's interested in mentality. Talks about the renewing of your mind. Things don't start and stop. Worship pieces... He says so that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. It's this comprehension that God wants. It's this active 
life not just of heart but of mind. And we talked about that in a series earlier this year. Not merely to be different, but to be changed in our nature. That's metamorphosis. That's this word, metamorphosis. This is the expression of worship, and it comes when we have those attitudes. When, when I start from that attitude, I'm, I have reverence and fear for God, and I, I'm, I'm willing to serve, then we get these things. They will come, and they will affect all different types of specific expressions. They will affect the way I sing. They will affect the way I pray. They will affect all the way I serve life and all those different things. And it will create an unlimited number of expressions of worship. Because everything I do will be an expression of worship to God. Because I have died to myself. And so I leave you with this. Because this is what he says. He says, this is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. Be dead to yourself. That's reasonable. That seems hard. Yes, but it's reasonable. Because, Because God... Because God made me, because, because he's divine, because he's so far above me, this is reasonable. This is my reasonable connection to him, is as a living servant, as a living sacrifice. So God should not have to demand it. God should not have to force me to it. It's reasonable. Sometimes there's the obligation that I need to remember. You're obligated. You made this decision. 1981, I made a decision. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Long time ago. I made that decision. Andrew, you made that decision. But he should not have to. I'm human, so he does, but... But this will only be this way, <clears throat> is what I want to leave you with. This is only going to be this way if it is not ritual service. That's why I don't like that ritual duties. And I don't really like that translation. It's not a ritual. If it's a ritual, I'm going to be thinking about obligation more and more, and God's going to have to drag me there. But if it's from the heart, if it is heartfelt expression, I'm going to get there a lot easier. And it's going to take over a lot more of my life if it's heartfelt. It's going to be a thing that I'm just used to doing. And it's going to automatically kick in. At least more regularly. I'm still human. There'll be days where I just, I don't feel it. But the more I change the heart and the attitudes, the more I remember that I made a willing and conscious decision to do this. It was my free will. And I decided to do this. The more that that will influence those individual parts of me. It will influence what I do on Sunday morning. But it will influence what I do on Friday night. Let's stand and sing together. (laughs)